Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Well, I knew something was wrong with me when I found myself reaching for my phone at a red light to check my email. What kind of person would do that? I mean, it's dangerous uh, to be on your phone while driving, even if you're at a red light. It's pointless because it's not like I could have responded in any meaningful way to any of the emails I would have read. And it's awful because email is awful. Email is, is where any random stranger on the internet can ask you anything they want from you and expect you to give it to them. We should abolish email forever. So there I was, checking my email at a red light, becoming a danger to do something I hate. What is wrong with me? Well, a lot, obviously, and we won't get to all of that this morning. Uh, But that, that moment, I think, describes well the world in which you and I live. A world that offers us and expects of us everything all the time. We can buy things. We can eat things. We can work at any hour of the day. We live with constant access to the internet. We're checking our phones, our watches for news and updates all hours of the day. We're always fielding new requests finding new problems we have to solve. One day bleeds into the next, and it all adds up to an exhausting life. So I want to ask, why are we choosing to live this way? Might there be a better way to live? My answer is yes, and that invitation to a different and better type of life is embedded in this ancient practice, the Sabbath. And so this morning we're beginning an eight-week series on the Sabbath to dream of the possibility of a different type of life, a life of, of rest, of wholeness, of peace and goodness. A life where a red light is not the opportunity to reach for our phone, to cram one more agenda item into our day, but a red light is the chance just To stop, to rest, for the next minute, I don't have to do anything. And so this morning as we begin our series, I want to explore two questions uh, together. First, what is the Sabbath life? And secondly, why is it so hard for us? So first, what, what is the Sabbath or what is a life? Uh, that's built on the Sabbath. And I realize many of us hear the word Sabbath and we don't think rest. You think maybe about some of the real uh, weird rules people have created around the Sabbath. Maybe you're like one missionary kid who, when he heard of the Sabbath and learned he was not allowed to swim on the Sabbath, found the Sabbath another perfectly good day about to be ruined. 
And I would just ask, like we read all of Genesis 1 and 2 up to the Sabbath. Did you hear anything in those verses that would lead you to apply those verses to mean, do not swim on the Sabbath? And so if you're skeptical of the Sabbath, maybe not excited about this series, I understand. And I hope you'll give us the time and space to wade through some of the weird ways people have taken what God says about the Sabbath and then tried to apply it to our real life. And Genesis 2 is a great place to begin. That, that there are two words in this passage that sort of define what the Sabbath is for us. His first explanation of the practice he's going to detail out through the rest of the Scriptures. Two words here in Genesis 1 and 2 that begin our definition of what the Sabbath life is. The first word is stop. The Sabbath life is to learn how to stop. Maybe you hear that and say, I, I didn't see the word stop in Genesis 2. And you're right. So let, let, let me reread verse 3 of Genesis 2. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So the word rest there, it's the Hebrew word um, Shabbat, which means rest in some cases, but it mostly just means stop, cease. That to Sabbath is to learn how to stop, to cease. So God stops. Why? Well, it's not because he doesn't have anything left to do. I mean, God's command to the human beings in Genesis 1.28 is, He blesses them and says to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And so God's vision of the earth is one full of human beings flourishing and cultivating the earth. That work's not finished. It's just started. Yet God stops. Mid-task. And that's important because one of the reasons it's hard for me to Sabbath, and I would bet for you too, is, well, you haven't finished what you need to finish yet. An email needs to be sent. A phone call needs to be made. As in my case, a sermon needs to be finished. I can't stop because there's more left to do. And God, God speaks to that on the first page of the Bible. There's more left for him to do, but he stops. So we can Sabbath even though we never finish. God stops and ceases. Even though his vision of what the world is to become has not yet been fulfilled. So that's word one. It's Sabbath is about whatever it is, it's about stopping. But the second word uh, is, is the word bless. The Sabbath life is to enter blessing. So God doesn't just stop. He stops to bless. Then God blessed the seventh day. Now I realize the word bless sounds like a religious word. Uh, maybe at some point some southerner has said to you, bless your hearts. And it sounded mean. Uh, it was. Um, so, so what does it mean? To, how, what is the biblical sense of, of blessing? Well, hopefully uh, you're paying attention. It's one of the reasons why we read all of Genesis 1 this morning. Is anytime a word shows up, the first thing we should ask is, well, how is it used in the passage already? 
In Genesis 1, the word bless shows up twice. So listen again to verses 21 and 22 of Genesis 1. So God created sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm and every winged bird. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters. Multiply on the earth. So do you see it? God's blessing is to say to all the animals in the air and in the sea, fill it all up. Multiply. Here's the second time uh, the word blessed is used. Genesis 1.28. God creates the human beings and says to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. After he's blessed them. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Fill it up. That's blessing. It's fruitfulness. It's multiplication. It's fullness. It's filling. So the seventh day... The Sabbath is a day to stop and experience filling, blessing, fruitfulness, fullness, goodness, and wholeness. That's the Sabbath life. A life where we stop in order to enter the blessing of God. To experience the blessings of God. To stop our work. And to be blessed by God. I mean, do you see the type of life God's, God's creating or, or, or creating the vision for in this verse? He doesn't want you to be restless, frazzled, worked to the bone, worn out, or tired. He wants you to be able to stop and be blessed by Him. Now, most commentators point out the story we get of creation in Genesis 1 and 2 is very different than the other stories of creation that the people of Israel lived among. That another culture they lived among was the Babylonian culture, and they had a story about creation and work. And there was no Sabbath in that creation story. Uh, that story, it's called the Enuma Elish, and what happens in that story is the gods end up in a war together, uh, some gods die, some gods live, and the, the dead gods become the earth. Their body becomes the earth. And so now the gods that won the victory, they have this earth they have to take care of, but they don't want to take care of it because that's too much manual labor. So they create human beings to do all the work on the earth so they can have their rest. So the story of the Enuma Elish uh, is the gods create human beings to do all the work so the gods can have all the rest. Humans do the work, gods get the rest. And it explains that's why human life is so frazzled, exhausting, nonstop, burdened, tiring. And probably the life many of us are living in this room. Which means if, if that is the life we are living, might we be listening to the wrong story, the wrong people? God does not want you to live a tired life. He stops in order to bless. And through the rest of the scriptures, we'll invite human beings to enter into that blessing. Have you? If you're like me and you're checking your phone at your red light or you're texting while you're driving, you're scrolling through social media while watching TV, while your sibling is having a conversation to you, while you're also checking your email... 
you're probably frazzled and tired. Uh, And so let's go to question two. Why is this so hard for us? Uh, Why is this? I mean, think about this. God's like, hey, I just want you to stop so I can bless you. And this is the only commandment I've had Christians tell me. We don't have to do that anymore. That's old and legalism. You don't have to practice the Sabbath anymore. It's like, why would you not want to stop in order to be blessed by God? And we're the people who have figured it out. But you read through history, and I understand that response, because people have taken the direction of the Sabbath one of two ways. One is, is legalism, where there are, I mean, just Google weird Sabbath laws, and it's amazing what human beings came up with. And, and Kevin Earhart preached on this a few months ago. And my favorite was, and make sure I get this right, hold me accountable. Uh, in Ohio, it is illegal to hunt for whales on the Sabbath, correct? Yeah. What guy read Genesis 2 and was like, hey, we cannot hunt for whales here in Ohio. I just read Genesis 2. It's this is very important. Let's make a law about it. Someone did that. Legalism around the Sabbath, it, it gets weird, and it will get weirder through the series. And that will be one of, we will try not to make this weird for you when we start to invite you to consider practicing the Sabbath. So that's one direction, is legalism. But the other direction is to ignore it. And while I want to guard against legalism in this series, in our cultural moment, I believe our problem is not that we've embraced legalism with respect to the Sabbath. We've rejected the Sabbath. And we've embraced a busy type of life God would never call us to. We're so busy we will text and drive. Turn our car into a weapon. Because we're in such a hurry. We're in such a hurry we eat in cars because we have no time to sit down, look someone in the eye, and enjoy the miracle of food with them. We're so busy we brag about not taking vacation time. We work long hours and neglect our families and consider it a badge of honor. And I realize many of you right now are thinking, I just... Tim, I could never take a Sabbath. It's not realistic. My initial response to that is, it was realistic for God and he's more important than you. So why can God stop? But we can't. And in many ways, that's the question we'll be meditating on throughout this entire series. Because this isn't going to be about a practice necessarily. It's about... What's happening in this seventh day that God's inviting us into? And a lot more will come out than just our inability to not stop working. So why can God stop a weekend? Why is the Sabbath life hard for me? I'm going to give at least three answers to the question for this morning. The first is we cannot stop because of what we value. On December 1st, 1930, as the Great Depression began to take hold, W.K. Kellogg, the serial man, wanted to help the poor and to create more jobs in his factory. Uh, So he decided to replace the traditional three eight-hour daily shifts in his Battle Creek, Michigan cereal plant with four six-hour shifts. That would create 30% more jobs, jobs desperately needed by the unemployed of his city. But in the first year of this experiment, Kellogg paid his existing employees for seven hours, even though they were only working six, so that they did not lose too much income. 
Then by the second year, he had raised the wages back to the eight-hour level. Because of new technology, there was increased productivity. And Kellogg shared that increase in profits with his workers. This was so amazing, the U.S. Department of Labor sent researchers to the plant to see what was going on. And what they found was 85% of the workforce preferred the six-hour shift because it provided more time for family, more time for leisure, more time for home duties. And the word they used most to describe their experience was freedom. When workers were forced to work less and make less money initially, they found it freeing. Well, during World War II, the plant was forced to go back to eight hours uh, shifts uh, by a law passed by Congress to support the war effort. But once the war was over, the plant was given the choice. Work eight hours and make more money than you used to, or go back to six hours and make less money but have more freedom. And what do you think they chose? Less money, more freedom. But in the late 60s, the tide began to turn, as Wayne Muller describes in his book, Sabbath. A new generation no longer used words like freedom and family to describe the benefits of work. They insisted that in light of all they wanted to buy, money was now the only real job benefit. And that they could never get enough unless they work full time. Shorter hours for less money was increasingly seen as stupid, silly, wasted. And as the debate raged on, finally on December 11th, 1984, the workers voted to end the six-hour shifts and move to eight so they could have more. But at least imagine that. For, for decades, a factory full of people who prefer less money and more time with their family for rest and leisure. In 2023, can you even imagine such a place? But that's the vision of the Sabbath. In Genesis 2, God says, this is enough. I can stop. I do not need anything more in this moment. But we value accumulation. We never have enough. And it's one reason why we can't Sabbath. And that vision of this world will be challenged throughout this series. So we can't stop because of what we value. And we value stuff. Secondly, we, we cannot stop because our identity is misplaced. So listen to how Marvadon puts this. Uh, if we ceased work on the Sabbath... We could also give up the whole attitude of productivity, the worries associated with that pressure, our striving to be in control of our lives, our scrambling for possessions, and our entrapment in our culture, and the resultant meaningless and boredom. What she's saying is we find our identity, our identity in our productivity, and what we do and what we produce. And that pressure will never end. There's always more you must produce. I mean, imagine if, if you're a stay-at-home parent and your identity is rooted in your work with your kids. Well, that work never ends until they or you die. And there are always more chances. I should have done more. I could have done more. I need to do more. 
in your own vocation, whatever your Monday to Saturday or maybe Sunday to Friday deal is, how does productivity drive your inability to stop? I mean, my work as a pastor is, is shepherding people into the way of Jesus. And that work is literally never finished until Jesus returns. So I, I am never finished. So, of course, I can't cease my work in order to live in the blessing of God. There's more to do. So I check my email at a red light. We find our identity in our productivity. We find our identity in our possessions. Uh, and as the theologian and, and rapper... The notorious B.I.G. once said, more money, more problems. He said a little bit different than that, but I'm not going to do that. More money, more problems. The more you own, the more you manage, take care of, shepherd what you own. The the more you own, the less rest you can have. And some of us, when we, we realize that our work and possessions are terrible places for identity, we know it's not working, instead of Giving up those possessions or finding a new way to work. Instead, we distract ourselves into oblivion. Phone scrolling, Netflix binging, which is a kind of rip-off Sabbath. It's stopping. It's ceasing. But we're not blessed by that. But to wrestle with the Sabbath is to wrestle with the question, who are you? And how are you answering that question? Third and finally, we, we cannot stop because of the place that we live. This will be a, a kind series. While we'll talk about some hard things, I, I just want to say, we live in a time and place that requires enormous resistance to have the sort of rest and peace and blessing God promises us. Uh, as Dr. Rich, uh, Richard Swinson, a Christian, a doctor, a medical doctor, uh, wrote a brilliant book called Margin, and, and this is what he wrote. The spontaneous tendency of our culture is inexorably to add, one de- to add detail to our lives. One more option, one more commitment, one more expectation, one more purchase, one more debt, one more change, one more job, one more decision. We must now deal with more things per person than at any other time in history. Yet one can comfortably handle only as many details in his or her life. Exceeding this threshold will result in disorganization or frustration. We are dealing with more things per person than at any other time in life. Uh, Just to give one illustration. Let's say you're living in 1850 and you wanted to get a hold of another person. Well, you had to walk or get on your horse and go find them. But they may not be there. So you'd have to look until you could find them. And you might give up because you never found them. Well, however long uh, later, telephones are invented. And then you could call someone, but they had to pick up when you called them. And if they didn't pick up and you needed to get a hold of them, well, then you had to go get on your horse and go find them. Well, fast forward a few more decades. Then you could leave a voicemail. And now they are expected to find you. You don't have to look for them. You leave them a message, now they must come find you. will fast forward today, and it's not just that our phones are in our pockets, but we can text, call, email, because we all know we're checking our email at red lights, and we expect that person to get back to us right away. So everyone in the world has access to you immediately. 
That's a fundamentally different way of living life. With steady streams of new demands coming in to us all the time. But then you start adding things like 24-7 news, streaming services, social media. And to cease all of that, to stop all of that, requires an enormous effort of resistance. To find rest in this environment requires brilliant strength of resistance. So this will be a compassionate Series, because I believe we live in a violent culture that wants to destroy you and your soul. To keep you from the rest of God. And what the last thing we want to do as a church is to create one more act of violence by shaming you into practicing a Sabbath. And yet we need it. And so how do we find it? How do we find rest in a restless Age. Well, let, let's, let's end there. One of the things interesting about uh, most of the creation stories, like the Enuma Elish I mentioned, is when the gods create the world, they make a place where they live. So if you want to meet the gods, you, have to, you go to that temple or that mountain or that tree. They, they create a place where they live. Uh, so where's God's day? Or where's God's place? And I just answered my own question. Verse 3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God doesn't indwell a place, but a day. The seventh day. That's weird. How do you make a day holy? Uh, Well, it gets weirder. Hopefully you notice all through Genesis 1, we hear a refrain about each day. And there was evening and there was morning. The first day. It's verse 5. And there was evening and there was morning. The second day. Verse 8. There was evening and there was morning. The third day. Verse 13. I won't go, but it's there the next three days. But not the seventh day. The seventh day has no evening and no morning. Why not? Uh, Well, there's a lot going on um, there. So let's listen here to the the words of scholar Robert Lowry, who writes, The seventh day account does not end with the expected formula, there was evening and morning. That was concluded days one through six. Breaking the pattern in this way emphasizes the uniqueness of the seventh day and opens the door to an eschatological interpretation. Literally, the sun has not yet set on God's Sabbath. Now I know, anytime someone reads a quote with the word eschatological, I'm revealing that I'm a huge nerd. But keep paying attention through my nerdiness. That last line is really good. Literally, the sun has not yet set on God's Sabbath. There is no evening and morning on the seventh day. The Sabbath, seventh day, is ongoing, is what Robert is saying. And that's the point. So think about the creation story with me. Day one, God makes light and he makes darkness. And then day four, God fills the light in the darkness with, with the sun for the light and the moon and the stars for the darkness. Which is a quick aside, is why Genesis 1 is not a great... Uh, thing to read scientifically. Because I've, I've heard scientists say, well, that's proof the Bible writers didn't know what they were talking about. You can't have light without the sun, as if they didn't know that. That's the point. They're showing you something. There's light and darkness, but there's no sun yet. That's day four. 
when God fills the, the buckets of light and darkness with sun, moon, and stars. Then day two, we're told God creates the expanses, the waters, and he separates them. He puts the waters in the heavens, up in the heavens where the, the rain will come down, and he puts the waters in the seas uh, down, uh, down low. And then day five, what does God do? He fills the expanses above with birds and fills the expanses below with fish. He fills the, the buckets of waters with birds and with fish. And then day six, what is God, or day three, what does God do? He separates land out from the waters. And there's, there's, there's vegetation and the, the, the land now exists. And then what does God do on day six? He puts animals and he, he fills the bucket of land with animals and human beings. Do you, do you notice a trend? He creates emptiness, voidness, buckets, and then he fills them with his creation. Well, that raises the question, well, what's he going to fill day seven with? Because there's... There's, not, there's no corresponding day. So what, what being is filling day seven? And the answer is God. God steps into time with his intent to bless the whole world, to live among us and to dwell among us. He doesn't move into a mountain you have to go find at some place. He doesn't move into a tree you have to go find. It's, it's, uh, it's not even to a, a mountain that you go could climb. He moves into the seventh day. That's his presence. And maybe you hear that and think, well, does that mean God is only present on the Sabbath, on the seventh day? No. Because the seventh day never ended. The sun is not yet set on God's Sabbath. And so God is available to us all, all of time, seven days a week, every hour of the day. And that might raise the question, well, if that's true, if God's available to us seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and that's what I believe Genesis 1 and 2 is saying, why would we practice the Sabbath? Why only have 24 hours in a week where we stop to enter the blessing of God? It's a good question. And I have two answers to that question. Actually, I have a lot of answers to that question. But I'm only giving you two this morning because we have a whole seven weeks to go. But why is the Sabbath so important if God's presence is available to us seven days a week? My first answer to that is we need interrupted from our false striving that exhausts us. For those of you who are, who are in here at the beginning of the service, it was an awkward beginning on purpose. Um, at 8.45, we began the service with a prayer and the lighting of, of this candle— because that's the Jew, how the Jews would typically begin a Sabbath, with the lighting of a candle and a prayer. And we wanted to, to reenact that. But we also wanted to reenact what, what the Sabbath does, which it, it, it doesn't begin when you're ready for it to begin. Remember, God's Sabbath, even though there was work left to be done on his earth, Sabbath begins whenever the moment we mark our 24 hours of rest, whenever we said stopping begins here, you just stop. And you light the candle. And the, the candle, which in, in Jewish culture represents the presence of God. Now you're naming. This day is solely about two things. Stopping my work to be blessed by God. The Sabbath does not begin when we finish our work. And so for me, when, I, when I'm practicing the Sabbath well, what that means is it starts on Friday sundown, Friday evening. I stop and I... I turn my work computer off, my phone's turned off, I put them where I cannot see them, and for the next 24 hours, I need to be reminded 
I am not what I do. I am not what I accomplish. I'm not what other people need me to be. And my value, my identity is not rooted in my kids or my job, my performance, my possessions. And I need to be interrupted from that thinking, don't you? So when might your 24 hours begin? It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Saturday. Every seven days, where, where, based on your vocation, your station in life, where might the seventh day begin for you where you, you just stop? Or maybe 24 hours, just that feels insane. Maybe it's just eight hours. For, maybe it's four. But to mark a time where you're going to stop to cease to be blessed by God. So why do we need the Sabbath even though God's available to you 24 hours a day? Well, it's, it's a way to interrupt your thinking of where you're, where you're rooting your identity and your value. But secondly, we need, we need to be blessed by God. This culture wants to run you down and wear you out. And God is not like that. And he's so not like that, he said, hey, every seventh day I want the entire day to be about two things. Don't work. And let me fill you and multiply and, and bless you. What kind of person would say, I don't want that? I mean, it's in the Ten Commandments, so it's really important to God. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. To say, I don't want that. Or, well, I've, I've got more to do. I, I don't. I think there's something wrong with us if that's our response. God does not want to run you down and wear you out. Can you see it in Genesis 1 and 2? What he's offering you. The type of life he's offering you. Well, if you can't see it there, let me, let me close with the words of Jesus. His invitation to you, to all of us. Jesus said, come to me, all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of us would describe our, word, our world, our life, with the words restful? Easy, lightly burdened. Well, if, if that's not you, then you're not learning from Jesus according to Jesus. So maybe it's time we listen to his voice. To do life from him instead of the wrong sources. Maybe the Sabbath is worth reconsidering. I mean, what an invitation, these words, to you and, and to me. What a totally different type of life than reaching for your phone to check your email at the red light. Let me pray for us. Father, we give you thanks that when you step down into creation, your invitation to was, was to one of rest, to learn from you how to do life differently. Uh, so now, as we begin that conversation, we have a lot to learn from Jesus and what he said, what are in the scriptures about the seventh day, what it means, what you're, what you're doing in that, that day for us and to us. Uh, but for now, we, just, we need to experience your rest and peace. And so I pray as we come to your table, uh, we would do that. And you would do that for us. Uh, in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. 
Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.